0: Welcome back. This is episode 15 and we're going to be doing something special in this episode where we recap some of our favorite moments from our last three guests, Dr. Leon Segal, Ilana Nahum, and Michael Klein.
1: We had some good conversations. All those guests left me with so much. I was thinking about those interviews for weeks.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to think about and a lot of concepts shared and we want to see if we can kind of capture some of our top moments, some of the top ideas that were shared in those podcasts.
1: It's been a while since it was just me and Reed on the microphone, so we figured we would take it back to episode three and run a little reflective, you know, we're a meditative uh, podcast, so let's run a little reflection episode on the last three guests that we had. We're going
0: to start with our guest dr leon Segal, who we did two-part series with one of the topics that stood out to us was his conversation around the subconscious so we're going to play you that clip and we're going to talk a little bit about what that clip meant to us
2: you know most psychological theories you look into always talk about the the conscious mind being really the tip of the iceberg so much more going on under the surface that enabling that again is part of sitting quietly in meditation and quieting the chatter of the conscious mind in order to allow that more expansive mind to come into play.
0: Yeah, that's a really powerful concept. And I I love the idea of taking space from your problems. And it's definitely something that meditation has helped me with. There's potential for it to help everyone with. It's really a tool to quiet the conscious mind. And I loved what you said, even in addition to Dr. Segal. It helps you take space. And it's in that space that there's some brilliance. That's really quite a cool concept. And another thing that you said that I really liked, maybe not directly in that clip, but at least adjacent to it, was the idea of sleeping on it. And we that's something we say colloquially. Like we're we're all familiar with the idea of sleeping on a problem. And where does that come from? That is our unconscious mind digesting a topic thinking about it. it's 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 in there even if you're not thinking you' you're cooking you go on your run you da, 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 you know what I am gonna move you know and it and it comes to you and where does it come from well it's been deep within your mind not the conscious part and I love the idea of letting it digest without thought I don't think about digesting my food i don't I don't eat a hamburger and then think about it it just happens yeah so I love this idea of like a subconscious extraction
1: and it's so counter to Like our society or the way we're brought up to think it's always like attack your problems You've got to go full like don't don't rest until it's fixed There's this, you know notion that we just have to go full steam ahead Mm -hmm. And it's and it's crazy because when you break down, you know It's he was talking about the conscious mind being just the tip of the iceberg versus the subconscious mind Which is like the majority of your brain power. It sits below that and so We're trying to use like a smaller, less efficient part of our brain to solve these problems and and putting it into overdrive when really just like stepping away and letting your subconscious take over and and do its work in the background silently. Not only is it easier for us because you get to go do something else, but it's also so effective.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of problems that I've had that I rushed into. And I'm also trying to think of examples of problems that I slept on.
1: I mean, I can tell you just from working on this next drop of Awear, there's so many small decisions that come that are so permanent. Like, okay, can you submit art for the packaging? Or what about can you make art for the labels? Do you want big labels or small labels? How do you want the labels stitched? There's so many of these small micro detail decisions that i'm getting hit with that are all deadline oriented like we can't move on until you make this decision and the second you make that decision it locks in like Mm -hmm. that is what the shirt looks like forever now yeah and so there's this feeling of like permanence Mm -hmm. and also urgency Mm -hmm. and i can feel when i'm not at a place to make that decision You know, and it's and it's tough because I'm like, wow, if I if I rush this and just pick one that I'm not comfortable with and then it turns out later that I feel a different way about it, it's stuck. And so I've really had to kind of like adopt this mentality of letting your subconscious do the work. So now I'm trying to be really efficient with how I take on these small decisions. And instead of putting it off to the last minute, I'm like, all right, like give it a few hours. Think about it really hard and then stop. Mm. right and then give it a few hours break maybe even a night come back to it boom you feel different and things shift and it's so crazy like i'll i just had to lock in the labels and it took me a week and it was supposed to take me a day but i was like i'd rather take a week to do it get it right and honor the process of letting my subconscious really come to a place that's like how i think this brand would align the most with meditation and locked in the labels, and I feel good about it because I honored that like subconscious, that time to process.
0: I think it also kind of plays into reactivity. Are you reactive to your problems? Mm. I mean, you talked about urgency, too, which I think is there's a perceived urgency that doesn't actually exist. We create urgency. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I mean, there's lots of business rules, too. Like, if you read an inflammatory email, wait wait 30 seconds yeah. before you respond. Really think about right. it. Not only is there wisdom in Using your subconscious, but there's also wisdom in not being reactive and I think that's kind of goes hand in hand Yeah,
1: never make a decision at an elevated time of emotion or like at a, at a time of heightened emotion
0: when I was working For my first startup in the tech world the health tech world lots of fires to put out and lots of emergencies at yeah. urgency even before that I worked in an urgent care that has the word urgent <laughs> in the name <laughs> I read something very interesting. Paramedics are trained not to run to patients. They walk to patients. Mm. Even if it's a car accident, even if they're ble- they're decapitated, something horrible, they walk. They never run because it's all part of a physical and mental state of mind that you approach the issue with calmness, that you come to the problem level-headed, yeah. that you arrive as you would in any scenario and that's going to be the best way for you to approach the problem and it's kind of something that i felt in the startup world when i first started working there there were fires and you'd rush to put it out but in rushing to put it out little did you know you sparked another one mm. and then you you you'd rush to put that one out yeah. and you're inciting more urgency and yes. panic and so at some point you need to you know that's less on the subconscious side and more on the the pause and less reactive side at some point you need to just take a step back and like okay let's Right. How can we put this out once and for all yeah. and and be comfortable with the fire that's ha- I'm going to watch it burn for a second to figure out what's the best way to put it out. Yeah.
1: I mean that feeds right into our next guest Alana Nahum who was talking about the vagus nerve. Alana talked a lot about how the vagus nerve is super receptive to our environment and, and how we're interacting with our environment. So if we are very rushed, living this fast life, our vagus nerve is like going to contract and go into this kind of like defense mode mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel safe. And then you're coming from a very contracted place, you know, versus when you slow down, you breathe slowly, your vagus nerve senses that, okay, you're safe now. And it kind of expands and allows you to come from like such a bigger, fuller place, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... The inputs your vagus nerves have is very simple. You can't
0: tell your vagus nerve, calm down. Right. You know, it's paying attention to your breath. Yeah. It's paying attention to your cortisol levels and uncontrollable seeming elements.
1: Yeah. I mean, Alana talked a lot about how the vagus nerve is super receptive to your environment. And based off of like what it's sensing in your immediate environment, it's going to affect how you interact if you're sensing danger your vagus nerve is gonna kind of tell you to freak out a little bit Mm. so let's play that clip from her about the importance of expanding versus contracting we really have to be better ambassador to this nerve and this nerve is serving us and we need to serve it we do that through slowing down everything any action you do like when i talk to you now if i talk like that and you will feel like (laughs) my tone of voice and my breath, and my relationship, my gazing, and my all myself is a way of saying to the vagus nerve, we are safe here. This is okay.
0: Yeah, we talked about EMTs not running. There's a difference between wanting to be calm Mm -hmm. and actually being calm. Yeah,
1: embodying calmness. And like
0: your vagus nerve and your body you can't just will it to be calm. Right. There's these cues that you need to give it because yeah. it's only inputs, like I was saying earlier, like breathing and cortisol levels. And did you run to the emergency or did you walk to the emergency? And so you need to embody those cues yeah. and, and that way you won't be yeah. in a reactive state.
1: No, it's crazy. It's, it's, you're almost telling your body how to respond yeah. by paying attention to those inputs that you're talking about. Like she was saying, breathing slowly, You know, talking slowly, looking into someone's eyes. These are all cues that are telling your vagus nerve, you're safe here. This is okay. You're good. And then you can expand and you'll feel that openness. And so since that interview, I've been paying a lot of attention to some of those smaller details where before it was like, okay, I meditate in the morning and then we're good, right? No, but it's like, how do you go through your whole day? Because why do you meditate? Because I feel like the world is kind of like forcing you to contract. There's all this stimulation. Like it's forcing you into this like uh, little box, right? So I meditate to like stay open. But some days I need to meditate at lunch because I feel there's a lot going on in that day. But now I'm realizing it's in those small moments that I go throughout the day. Where I can actually tell my body that it's okay instead of like just saving up all that stress and then handling it with like a midday meditation because I'm in SOS mode instead I'm like all right getting into my car I'm late okay I know I'm late if I rush to work right now and I'm driving 100 miles an hour in the freeway and I'm my heart's beating my body's gonna freak out I'm already late let's go let's just let's breathe hmm. be calm mm mm-hmm. And then when you show up, you're not as frantic. You're not as behind. You can get to work more efficiently. Yeah.
0: It just compounds. It compounds. It's it's If you show up frantic, the next thing you're going to do is, yeah. is bad. You know, you can feel it. Yeah. You can feel it. You can feel... Sometimes you feel like, I'm on. I'm hitting everything. Right. <laughs> and other times you're like, I just fucked up and I'm yeah. going to fuck up six more times. I <laughs> can I can feel my next six mistakes yeah. are ahead of me.
1: Your system is coming from that place.
0: I think of that in like golf. It's very... It builds on it. You have a bad shot.
1: Mm-hmm. Fuck. Right. Fuck, fuck, I had
0: a bad. Fuck, I, I would. I told myself if I get three more pars, then I get forty five. Yeah. And if I get that, and like I'm
1: already behind. You. You. And so then you go to the next. Ah. Oh, fuck that one up too. Yeah. And it just. And like listen to even what you're doing there with your body. Like damn it. Oh, it's like very intense. Like your body's not feeling safe when you're when you're saying things like that. When you're oh yeah. god. Mm. And you're starting to tense up your muscles. Your your body's like. Oh, your Vegas nerve is like, oh, we're not that safe right now. Uh-oh. And then your next shot, you're coming in and you're in this like off balance place. Like, I wonder what the connection is between like staying centered. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you're so expanded, there's no noise. There's a lot of stillness. You're very grounded. Like, I wonder what that relationship is, you know? That's the flow. That's the flow state. Flow
0: state. There's times, I mean, I'm sure you felt it in whatever your, your activity is. Where you're like, this is going in. Yeah.
1: It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Like, pff, yeah. In, you in just the- know.
0: Like, next one's going into.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. You can
0: visualize it and just.
1: You feel it as it's like happening. You're just coming from that place. You're visualizing it. There's so much that goes into that moment. And it's funny because when you do, when it does actualize, you're like, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. (laughs) You could have asked me five minutes ago. Yeah. That's a good transition to flow state. One of my favorite parts of the conversation with Leon was also about flow state and how the ego plays into flow state, Mm -hmm. right? So he was talking about how. When you hit flow stay, you're in this like expanded open mindset where you're you've kind of let go of the ego and you're just living with intuition in the moment.
2: When the ego comes up, the flow stops. And you see that with musicians. Again, I I come from the world of jazz and when people are improvising, when people play music, when the ego comes in and they start kind of observing themselves playing, they're gonna fuck up. They're going to play the wrong note. Or if they're in a drumming circle, they're going to mess up the rhythm. So the practice is one of being in flow, whether it's when you're creative or when you're meditating. It's that place of letting the stuff go by you, deferring judgment. And that's the the sweet spot.
0: Yeah, so that that's a great point that Leon makes about flow state and ego.
1: He worked with so many people who need to basically reach a place where they can create and and he's talking about what goes into creating and, and you need to be in this very like open place where you've kind of let go of the ego a little bit and so you're not worried about judgment and how that also works with sports so he's mm-hmm. talking about tennis right
0: yeah he he brings up the concept of if you're playing someone who's having a great tennis game all you have to do is say wow
1: you're a really good forehand how are you doing now yeah, what are you doing to to be so successful at that and then
0: they get their wheels spinning and
1: Start thinking about. Wait, I do have a good forehand. Like, oh,
0: you tip them into the conscious mind, right. too. You tip them into yeah. like I'm thinking about it, and now I'm overthinking. Yeah, overthinking is never good. Right. It's interesting. It's you're in a place you're trying to get to a place where you're you're just acting. You're not thinking too deeply. Right.
1: I feel this, and I love what he said about just relationship with the ego because I was talking to someone at a dinner party a few weeks ago, and they were saying like I hate when people say let go of the ego. And it's true because you can't let go of the ego. And that's something that Leon was stressing. You need the ego to take yourself to the store to get food to feed yourself.
2: You know, you need to walk to the store and buy food. You better have an ego who knows how to do that.
1: It's impossible to live without the ego. So this notion that you can just get rid of it, it's not true. But we're trying to not let it drive the car. You're trying to not let it take control. I've definitely thought a lot about that conversation since the interview. And I heard something else that really stood out to me and went well with that theory. When you can detach from the ego and live in this more like flow state day to day, there's this gentle pull. And that is intuition. And I really like that idea because, you know, before I thought, all right, when you're super centered, you just know exactly where you need to go, like a more aggressive pull. But it's not that way you have to like quiet down all that noise in your life And so you feel this like gentle pool and that's the intuition coming mm. in That's the flow state and you kind of have to like dismantle the ego to get there.
0: Yeah, I love that I also think Of the flow state of being a place where you're not premeditating what's next your your flow state You talked about it in the moment because I think flow state is just like a buzzword that people you know flow right. state. a way to break that down is it's you are living truly within that moment not thinking of what's next not thinking about your next shot not thinking about mm-hmm. your next career move or what you should get on that test or you're just maximizing the current moment without excessive thought and i think the ego is one that would make you say well you need to do this because mm-hmm. then you need to do that and then if you don't do that yeah. well then you're messing up and don't you always mess up and then you mess up and it's not just you can because in in leon's example he brings up the tennis player and you know the opponent inspires their ego by saying hey nice forehand but i would say at least in my case and i bet many's cases it's not your opponent that stimulates your ego it's yourself it's your own self-critic something that dr michael klein touches on as you train the attentional system this is where i think the self-compassion work get the critic out of the way and be motivated from values rather than the critic Productivity and effectiveness goes up dramatically. It's toning down that inner voice too. It's not just the external stimulus, but it's the internal stimulus. Um, And I I think that's actually my my biggest challenge in front of me is is how do I control my inner voice not to, yeah, well, you're the shoulds. That's something I talk about. Should be doing this. Should Should be doing that. Yeah, the shoulds. Yeah, which
1: is a horrible affliction but it's also you're training those voices like there is the you know kind of like your true self inside you and then there's like the critic Mm -hmm. and the one you feed is the one that's going to get stronger and dominate your headspace. and so that's why i think meditation is so important because we are taking away from that self-critic we're quieting that muscle down that is constantly doubting us and, and making us like second guess and pulling us more into like an ego dominated mindset Versus living more with like intuition and so it's this like constant practice first identify oh my self-critic voice is really loud right now And then through time like training it to quiet down Like I growing up in high school and and in college and I think this is the case for so many people That's why those years can be so hard for people Is you're just dominated by you're having an identity crisis first off You don't know who you are who you're becoming but then you have all this self-doubt you're comparing yourself to peers And I just lived so timid because I was always trying to see like, where do I fit into all this? Hmm. And through meditation and and obviously getting older, I can feel the difference through the years about how I've been able to like turn the volume down on that self-critic voice Hmm. to the point where now like, yeah, it's always going to be there, I think, to some extent and I can still hear it, but it's not very loud. Like it's pretty quiet and it's soft and I can, I don't run with those thoughts for very long, right?
0: It's also important to identify that your self-critic in your head might not be your voice. It might be your dad's voice yeah. or your mom's voice. Nice. But it's your manifestation of your dad's voice. It's you creating your dad that would say, mm, why did you do that? And, you know, in a way, that's a beautiful thing to live with. You have like these, this like...
1: Almost like checks. Yeah, checks and
0: balances. But it's also like, be, be wary of, you know... When you say your inner critic, it might not be you that you picture, Mm -hmm. but it is... Yeah,
1: your mom's voice, your dad's voice. And like you said, it's good to take that as feedback, but Mm -hmm. not live entirely based off that. Yeah, like, okay, I hear
0: you,
2: mom, but
1: I'm a rapper now. Yeah, (laughs) Yo, 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 and now I'm gonna make a rap about you, mom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To, like, tie at least the thoughts that we've talked about together, we started with the subconscious and letting your subconscious mind digest issues but how does that connect to taking pause and how does that connect into not being reactive and not being reactive that connects to our vagus nerves and the cues that we give our body how do we not be reactive how do we let our subconscious mind thrive we give our body cues to stay in this calm parasympathetic like rest and digest Mm -hmm. state that gives us space and we're, we're we're expansive and that lets us tap into our flow state and when we're in our flow state, we're we're in our present mind. We're not dominated by our ego and our self-critic. So all of these conversations, like there's a thread that carries them through. It's all very connected. And it's funny to think that you could tap into this just by meditating. Yeah. Just, just by, by sitting stillness. <laughs> just
1: by kind of having a little stillness. I think we're realizing through these conversations. How, you know, the topics range so much. Oh, someone who specializes in brainstorming creativity. Someone who is like a uh, meditation, self-compassion, and love teacher. Someone who studies the vagus nerve and Feldenkrais. But like you said, there's these themes mm. throughout. And it's about calming down the system, bringing your, the noise in your mind down, and, and allowing you to plug more into the moment and live a more present, aware life. And, and that's really... The point of this podcast is to help find ways where we can squeeze more out of every moment and just stay as present as possible and, and, and really like feel life.
0: Remember to subscribe and share this
1: podcast with people that you love. This episode's shout out goes to Adam Alexander out in South City, California. He purchased a mantra tea and messaged us about our podcast that he's been meditating way more. And it's been helping him tremendously as he tries to navigate this whole work from home quarantine situation. We'll see you next time for episode
0: 17.